You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. And so it seemed like things were going really well until, of course, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and Joseph is not submitting to that. And so she tells lies about him and the next thing you know, he's thrown into the prison. Oh dear, the ups, then the downs. But even in the prison, the prison warder soon discovers actually Joseph is a very capable person, very helpful, very willing. And so before long, Joseph finds himself in charge of all the other prisoners. And so he's, he's doing quite well, even in those circumstances. And then we had the issue of the king's butler and baker who were thrown into jail and who had troubling dreams. And Joseph was able to interpret their dreams, which meant for one of them that he was going to be hanged. But the other one was restored to his prominence. And Joseph said to him, when you get back into Pharaoh's service, mention me, will you? Because I'm stuck here in this prison. And that's where um, the story begins to pick up again. But we find that um, the butler forgot all about Joseph. Perhaps it wasn't convenient to mention him to Pharaoh. But, you know, two whole years passed after that. By this stage, Joseph has been in prison or in enslavery in Egypt for 13 years. We know that because it tells us he was 30 when he was put over in charge of Egypt. He was 17 when we first met him. So what a lot of ups and downs. And now here's Pharaoh having these strange dreams about ears of corn which are big and then get eaten up by skinny ones and cattle which are big and then get eaten up by skinny ones, each case seven in each case. And he's so puzzled, he knows this dream is significant somehow, and yet none of his magicians and sorcerers and wise men can explain what's going on. And suddenly this butler remembers, oh yes, Joseph, dreams. Hey, maybe I can get into Pharaoh's favour here. I might be able to help. So Joseph has to have a shave. They don't wear beards in Egypt. And, um, well, they didn't in those days. And he's brought up from the prison, brought to Pharaoh. And here's Pharaoh saying, I understand that you have the power to interpret dreams. And it's very important to see what Joseph said to Pharaoh. I had this dream, says Pharaoh, no one can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. And then after he has heard the dreams, he says, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. And then follows this, he's going to bring seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. This is very important. What was the secret of Joseph's success? Wherever he was, whether he was in good circumstances or bad, Joseph prospered. He, he was a man who commanded respect, a man who was, in, who was trustworthy. 
What was the secret of his success? Where did he get the wisdom for all this? Well, I'll tell you where he got the wisdom. He got it by listening to God. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 9 and verse 10, it tells us the secret of wisdom. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, you want to be wise. And wisdom, it isn't about being clever, about having fanciful ideas that you discuss in armchairs in ivory towers. Wisdom is about actually the practical ability to live. The things that actually enable you to know what's the right thing to do. That's what wisdom's about. And the secret, it says, begins with the fear of the Lord. In other words, you begin to be wise when you realize that there's somebody who's in charge to whom you are accountable. And therefore, you learn to fear him, not in the sense of you know, quivering, cringing because he's a big bully, but in the same way that as a small child, you learn to fear your father. Not, not, I'm not talking about abusive fathers here who ill-treat their children. I'm talking about the sort of fathers where their children instinctively know that if daddy says it, that's how it has to be. Because that instant respect, that desire to please someone who actually has your destiny in his hands, that's what we mean by the fear of the Lord. And for Joseph, this was the key secret. He knew that God existed and that God rewards those who seek him and that actually God gives wisdom to those who want to know how to live in the way that pleases him in the world that he has created. And therefore, he is the one to whom ultimately every one of us, whether we believe in him or not, you know, if you're in court, it's no good telling the judge, I don't believe in you. Actually, every one of us, whether we believe in him or not, is one day to be accountable to him for what we have done with the life which he has created in us. <coughs> and so Joseph's secret of success is that he's a man who listens to God. And we know that right back as a boy of 17, when he had his dreams that he perhaps rather unwisely shared with his brothers, he knew what God was saying to him. He was a man who had a sense of destiny, that God had a purpose for him, and he was listening and he heard God. That was one of the things that was different between him and his brothers. He wasn't just a spoiled brat. He was a man who listened to God and who was setting his course to follow God's ways. And that was the secret of his success. It was the secret of Jesus' success, you know, that, that centurion whose servant um, was ill and he wanted Jesus to come and heal him. When Jesus said, I will come, he said, no, you don't need to come to my house. I, you just say the word and my servant will be healed. And he said, I too am a man under authority and therefore the soldiers under me, I can tell them go and they go, come and they come. He said, it's because I'm a man under authority. I represent my superior officers and they represent ultimately Caesar himself. So my word goes. And he said, I can see of you that you're a man who must be under authority because everything you pray for happens. 
Everything you command comes to pass. In other words, I can see that you've got, you have got an ear that hears what the Father says, what God says. And out of that came the success. So Jesus' secret, Joseph's secret, one and the same. And folks, it's the same for us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you're listening to him, he gives wisdom and he gives it freely and generously and without reproach, James tells us, to those who want it. Okay. So what exactly is wisdom anyway? We've already said it's not about being clever and impressing people with your um, erudite lectures. It's about knowing how to handle daily life in a godly way. And so when Joseph tells Pharaoh, God has told you what he's about to do, the purpose is not so that Pharaoh can be impressed that, oh, fancy that, Joseph prophesied that and it happened, that was good, wasn't it? That's what the kind of clairvoyant people think. Oh, you know, if somebody saw that in advance, oh, isn't that clever? The purpose of God telling us what is going to happen is so that we can react accordingly. So when God gives a warning, it's so that we can respond. If it's a, if it's a warning of judgment, it gives us the opportunity to repent. Now, Pharaoh is not being given a warning of judgment here. He's just being told that, in the normal pattern of how the world works, there are years of plenty and years of famine. He's not telling Pharaoh, repent and I'll change it. He's saying, this is what I'm going to do. He's not justifying what he's going to do or explaining it or opening it for challenge, but he's giving Pharaoh the opportunity to prepare for what's about to happen. It's very practical. Amos tells us that, that God does nothing without first revealing it to his prophets. So that nobody can say, oh, well, I didn't know. If I'd only known, actually, no. If you need to know because you need to do something or change what you are doing, God will tell you. If you're listening, none so deaf as those who don't want to hear. So here is Joseph. He not only tells Pharaoh what his dream means and what's about to happen, but he also comes up with a very sensible, wise plan for how to respond to that message. What you need to do, Pharaoh, is you need to appoint somebody to, to, to take charge of the famine relief project over the next seven years. You need to be storing up grain in barns. You need to arrange it round the cities so that there will be plenty throughout the whole land. And you need it to be somebody with wisdom and integrity so that they won't be open to being bribed by those who've got plenty of money so that you know, the poor miss out and, and the rich get it, so that they won't be open to sort of the influence of those with power. Actually, he's giving a very sensible suggestion here he says, so appoint someone in charge and then you can put people under them to organize and administer it. So you need somebody with gifts of administration, wisdom, honesty, integrity. And Pharaoh thinks, well, don't need to look much further, do I? Right there in front of me. There he is. That's the man. And so here is Joseph now out of the prison and now he's, he's got Pharaoh's signet ring. 
That's the thing with which you can issue edicts because you've got Pharaoh's seal, you've got his authority. He's got a chain of office. He's got smart linen garments. He's even riding in the second most important chariot with everybody being told to give way. Pharaoh is not only giving him the authority, he's letting everybody else know he's got it, saying, this man is going to organize this and I'm letting it be known to everybody that if you mess with him, you're messing with me and I'm Pharaoh. Now, whether Pharaoh realized that actually his own authority was also delegated from above and that one day he'd have to give account for how he used it, but on this occasion, he used it wisely. So here is Joseph, just being Joseph. And in whatever situation he's in, he listens to what God is saying. He's not so clever that he comes up with all his own ideas or so fearful and stressed that he has to try and work it all out himself. He listens to what God is saying and makes his decisions based on what God has said. I have said this so many times over the, oh, I forget. Yes, it was my 70th birthday, so for over many years. I've said it to so many people. I have sought to live by it myself. If you have a decision to make, listen to what God says and do that. Don't go off with the instinct of your emotions or the sudden impulse of your fears or your anxieties or whatever or trying to work it out for yourself. If you have a decision and you want it to go well, listen to what God says and do that. And if you haven't heard yet, wait until you do. Don't think, oh, he's forgotten me and I'll rush off. Joseph had 13 years in Egypt. I wonder how many times during that time he thought, has he forgotten me? I've been doing your will, Lord, and I'm even in this prison or in this house as a slave. I'm doing my level best to serve you faithfully and to find ways to do things your way and to be a help and a support to other people because that's what he was doing. But, you know, have you forgotten me, God? And then he must have thought when he got the butler, you know, going back, oh, this is it, this is the moment. God's going to set me free. And then two more years go by. But you see, the timing was perfect. Because Pharaoh's dream was the time he would be needed, not two years earlier. This was the time for Joseph. This was God's moment for him when all that was due to happen was about to start coming into, into fruition. And we know that Joseph is a man of faith because I, I, it tells me he's a man of faith when he says, before he's got the, re, the, the response... Um, where are yes, I cannot do it. He says, I can't interpret dreams, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. In other words, he says, I don't have that wisdom, Pharaoh, but I know God has, and he will tell me. That is a statement of faith, because God hasn't spoken yet at this point. But Joseph knows God well enough. That's the key, you know. It's relationship with him. You need to be in daily relationship with him, not visiting him once on a Sunday. Actually, in daily relationship, in your normal everyday life, asking him, 
And Joseph knew that God would answer him. Even though he had no guarantee at this point, because he hadn't been given any interpretation yet. But faith hears God and acts on what God says. So here's Joseph says, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm answering you. And so for, for Joseph, the key things are, first, he listens to God. He has the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. Secondly, he's got integrity. He allows what God says to be the thing that makes him decide how he's going to live. In other words, he doesn't make up his own rules that suit him or that sort of feel nicely tailored to his interests. He lives according to what God says. Whether he likes it or not, God is God. So that's the other thing. He's got integrity. And even when he was sorely tempted, I mean, Potiphar's wife, apart from, you know, being possibly an attractive woman, she was also the mistress of the house, you know, and, and he knew that if you upset her, he might find himself in trouble, and he did, but he still maintained his integrity. At every point, Joseph has maintained his integrity. So there we are, listening to God's word, maintaining your integrity. He has great ability, but he puts that to work in the service of the people God has placed him with. That's a very good key, you know. A lot of people say, oh, I don't know what God's will is. I keep praying and, and they're waiting for God to say, you know, become a doctor or become a teacher or move to Timbuktu or whatever. When actually all around you, there are people, people who are in need, people who God cares about. And where you are now even if you're waiting for a big directional change for God to tell you what it is, where you are now, you have opportunities to be of service and of use. And that's the kind of man Joseph was. He served where he was planted. And the result was he was fruitful and prosperous. And now he's promoted to being the prime minister. And again, we see here the foreshadowing of Jesus himself the one who totally submitted to the Father's will, not his own. The one who utterly fulfilled the Father's will in every detail, was totally faithful in whatever circumstances he was in, whether he was currently being popular and everybody wanted to make him king or whether they were about to crucify him or stone him or whatever. He was totally faithful to do God's will and even to the point of laying down his life for the sake of the people who had so ill-treated him. And therefore, as we heard at the beginning of the meeting, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name which is above every name. That was Jesus' route to authority and the exercise of authority. It was a willingness to serve and to be accountable to authority under God. And so actually Joseph foreshadows Jesus in another way. He was the man who was in place at the right moment to save not only the whole of the Egyptian nation, but his own family 
who came from their famine-torn land to Egypt to buy grain, not knowing that the guy they were now bowing before, as in those first dreams so many years ago, was actually their brother, sent here ahead of them, so that through Joseph, his family were preserved. And because his family were preserved, a whole nation came about, the Jewish nation, through whom God worked out his purpose to bring salvation to the whole world, to every nation, to the whole human race, and through them to administer once again creation as he designed it to be, a creation in which God can look at it and say, that is good. And nobody can say, but what went wrong there? Because he is going to renew the heavens and the earth and all his people. And so that's just the final point. Just remember when you're seeking God's will for your life, which is obviously our first responsibility. But for each one of us, it's not just about us. Our life is part of a much, much bigger purpose, a bigger plan that God has. And every one of us has a unique place in that cosmic jigsaw puzzle, a unique place that only you or I can fill because it's part of a much bigger picture. And when we are in tune with the one who created it all and who is going to recreate it all and who is working out his purpose, we also fulfill our part and that is the path to fruitfulness and satisfying life.